0: This is A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends, a podcast ministry of Somebody Cares America, being a tangible expression of Christ in a hurting world.
1: We are so glad you're tuning in today. If this is your first time to listen, go ahead and hit the subscribe button so that you'll keep up with each new episode. If you're already a subscriber, we send out a big thank you. As you listen today, Think of someone you can share it with or share to your social media platform. We are grateful to you for making our first year of the wording season a success. Now enjoy today's word with Doug.
0: When many look at today's world or their prospects for the future, all they tend to see is difficulties, challenges, even some doom and gloom. Indeed, we do live in a world of, of difficulties and crises at times. But to live triumphantly in such times, we must have God's perspective, which certainly isn't negative. Isaiah 60 verse 1 through 5 says, Arise, shine, for your light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will rise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising, lift up your eyes all around and see they all gather together, they come to you, your sons shall come from afar, and your daughter shall be nursed at your side. Then you shall see and become radiant, and your heart shall swell with joy. This describes our present situation as well, doesn't it? Yes, there's great difficulties that that cover the earth at times, but this is no time to despair. God tells us to rise and shine. He is shining His light upon every hungry heart and is using us to reveal His glory to a lost and dying and hurting world. Rather than seeking into despair, we need to seize our opportunities to impact the world for Christ.
1: The vision God has given us for 2020 and beyond is one of rapid expansion, not to build up our ministry, but to build up His kingdom. As we continue to assist in disaster relief and crisis response across the globe, we are cognizant that it takes local impact to sustain true transformation. These communities need the help before during and after the need arises. We need consistent resources to help those courageous leaders on the front line in their communities across the world. You can be a part of transforming lives by giving today at somebodycares.org.
0: Several years ago, a top U.S. economist, Paul Romer, said, A crisis is a terrible thing to waste. Now obviously he was speaking about economic situations but I want to apply it even to what we're talking about today and the challenges that may come our way. Yes, we live in a world of difficulties at times, but this presents us with opportunities we must not waste. You see, filled with the spirit of God, we are called to be the light of the world. We can see that in Matthew chapter 5 verse 14 through 16. Remember he says Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and bring glory to your Father in heaven. Light always shines brightest during the darkest hours. Amid his description of the terrible crisis that will come upon the earth at the end times, Jesus makes a wonderful statement. There will be false prophets, wars, commotions, earthquakes, plagues, and famines. They will indeed be perilous times, and we're already experiencing the birth pangs he predicted. However, Tucked away in this bleak picture is a fantastic ray of hope. These difficult times, Jesus said, will lead us to an opportunity for your testimony. Luke 21 verse 13. Instead of being discouraged or defeated by the traumas and difficulties around us, we're called to seize the opportunity to be bold witnesses for Christ. The Lord prepares and positions us to bring heaven's healing balm to everyone affected in difficult times around us. As the darkness may grow, so the light of the gospel will shine brighter and brighter in our lives. I do believe, however, that there is a sense of urgency in the hour in which we live. As Jesus said, I must work the works of Him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. John 9.4 Although we are entering a period of unparalleled opportunities, Leonard Ravenhill was correct when he said, The opportunity of a lifetime needs to be seized during the lifetime of the opportunity. Likewise, the Apostle Paul understood our urgent need to seize the opportunity set before us. Ephesians 5, 16 and 17, he says this, Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. You see, the Greek word opportunity here is kairos. If ever there was a time for a kairos moment in human history, it's now. What does that mean for you and me? Paul emphatically says that it's time to understand what the Lord wants you to do. I meet many Christians who can't wait for Jesus to swoop down and take them home to heaven. On one hand, I certainly understand this, but the Bible says we should be living in anticipation of Jesus' return. As the Apostle John wrote in Revelation 22-20, the cry of our heart should be, Even so, come, Lord Jesus! But there is a balance to everything. In The Wizard of Oz, little Dorothy kept clicking her heels saying, There is no place like home. There is no place like home. You see, many Christians are very much like this. And it's commendable that they recognize their citizenship is in heaven and not on this earth. Philippians 3.20 However, we're called to make a difference in this world. So we must be active, not just waiting around for Jesus to rescue us. Yes, He will soon return. But until then, he commands us, Occupy till I come, Luke 19, 13. So instead of clicking our heels and saying, There's no place like home, our cry today should be, My life is not my own. My life is not my own. Rather than putting our focus on maximizing our safety, our personal security, which is important, our heart ultimately should be set on fulfilling his purposes right up until our final breath. So exactly what is God's central purpose for us during this earthly life? The Bible describes a wide variety of different ministries that He calls individuals to. But Paul made it clear that each one of us is called to the ministry of reconciliation. It says in 2 Corinthians 5, 18-20, Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to Himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. You may be a pastor called to preach and teach the word behind a pulpit, But I don't believe that's exactly what Paul's focus is here. The lost and needy people we are called to reach are seldom sitting in the pews of our churches. Instead, they're out in the streets. They're in nightclubs. They're living out in the world. They may be living next to us in our neighborhoods. In the midst of their difficult, chaotic, and sometimes disappointing lives, they need people of God to reach out to them as peacemakers and ministers of reconciliation. You see, we're called to be ambassadors of Christ to bring peace in the midst of life's storms. I love this statement I've heard said, that it's important for the church to quit trying to get the community to come to church, rather the church should be out in the community. In addition to bringing peace and reconciliation in people's lives, we're called to be witnesses of God, revealing what He has shown us and done for us in our lives. When Peter and John were commanded not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus, here's their reply in Acts chapter 4.20. We cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. What have you seen and heard? Are you applying those truths to your own life in practical ways? Are you passing those truths on to the next generation? These questions don't just apply to some elite group of of professional leaders. They apply to each and every one of us, all people, regardless of vocation or area of leadership and influence that God has called each of us to talk about seizing opportunities. I want to take a moment just to share a testimony from a friend of mine, Tony Dr. Francis Yeo is a very successful businessman. He said, "Tonight I choose kindness and will be kind to the poor for they are alone, kind to the rich for they are afraid." Dr. Francis Yeo spoke those words as part of a speech he delivered to an audience of 50,000 people in 2003 for the YTL Concert of Celebration held on the lawn of the Royal Crescent in Bath, England, an event that featured the three tenors, the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra, the Bath Camerata Choir, and the choristers of Bath Abbey. The concert tickets were free, but contributions for charities were collected from many of the guests. In his address, Francis Yeo honored heroes of the faith who helped to shape the spiritual culture of Both England, including George Whitfield and John Wesley. One of the honored guests was Lady Cope, a descendant of Horatio Spaffer, the author of Dr. Yeo's favorite hymns, It Is Well With My Soul. And at Yeo's request, the hymn was performed by the three tenors. See, Christians, not just pastors, but laymen in business, engineering, high-tech, medicine need to be at the forefront of solving the world's problems. But it's going to take vision and leadership to get it done. If we were to tackle the root causes of injustice and deprivation, Dr. Yeo insists, we will create a better life for all. We need to renew our faith in that great engineer, the creator of the universe, our Lord God, Dr. Francis Yeo said. You see, before ascending into heaven, Jesus said that His followers would receive the Holy Spirit, empowering them to be witnesses. Acts one eight says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, and all Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. The Greek word translated witnesses is matis, from which we get the word martyrs. What a stunning reminder of the gravity of our call to lay down our lives to be witnesses for Christ that others might see Christ in a real intangible way in and through our lives. Of course, not all witnesses are true witnesses. In fact, right in the midst of the Ten Commandments, we're told, You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. That's Exodus 20.16. You see, if it's terrible to bear false witness against our neighbor, think of how much weightier it is to bear false witness against the Son of God. Yet that's exactly what happens every time we reflect attitudes or lifestyles that misrepresent the character of our Lord. So what does a true witness look like? First of all, a true witness is committed to reflecting the image and likeness of Christ in his life. We can see this in Genesis 1:26 through 27, Romans 8:29. Now, although this doesn't require perfection by any means, our lives should look much different from the unbelieving world around us. Various translations of the Proverbs 14.25 says that a true witness saves lives, and other translations says rescues lives, and others say delivers souls. In other words, a true witness rescues lives, saves souls, or delivers souls. Let that statement sink in for a moment. If we're a true witness for Christ, an important part of our life is to rescue people from desperate situations. As ambassadors for Christ, May we be a reflection of the tangible expression of Christ. Let us be ambassadors of His hope and healing to people who may be shipwrecked or adrift on a sea of difficulties. One of the challenges we may face as being true witnesses who rest your lives or save souls is getting stuck in the status quo. Salvation Army co-founder Catherine Booth rightly observed when she said, If we are to better the future, we must disturb the present. See, throughout the Bible, God raised up leaders to disturb the way things were done in order to create a better future. Think about how Jesus interacted with the religious leaders of his day. When Jesus the Messiah came onto the scene, he didn't fit into the boxes people had created for him. No wonder he attracted enemies among the religious leaders of the day. The status quo always fights back. I've seen countless men and women begin their ministry or careers with high hopes of bringing transformation and making a difference. But after years of frustration and banging their heads against the wall, they've concluded that change just isn't possible. They tell me something like, Doug, I fought the system and the system won. Let me make a few observations about all this. First, if you're truly functioning as a transformational leader, you will face oppositions at times. You're swimming upstream after all. As the saying goes, if everything is going your way, you're probably heading in the wrong direction. So don't be discouraged if change comes much slower than you would hope for. I'm well aware that hope deferred makes the heart sick, as it says in Proverbs 13:12. But that verse concludes with a great promise. When the desire comes, it is a tree of life. And second, if you're a visionary, you shouldn't be surprised if it takes a while for others to catch up with your vision. You've been called to boldly march ahead, to be a courageous leader. And you will need both patience and persistence to be the change agent God wants you to be. Let me conclude today's podcast with something I wrote in my book Leadership Awakening. We need to be radical but balanced. If the devil can't lull us to sleep or make us lukewarm, he will try to make us unbalanced in some area of our lives. And sometimes Christians are knocked off balance even when they seem super spiritual, claiming to be serving God while neglecting clear biblical mandates. Read when you get a chance, Mark chapter 7, 9 through 13. We need to remember Solomon's wisdom about keeping the proper balance. He said in Proverbs 11, 1, A false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. For example, in radical devotion to the Lord, we shouldn't neglect the proper care of ourselves or our bodies. God made us spirit and soul and body, 1 Thessalonians 5 23. And each of these facets of our life is important to maintain. I had the privilege of contributing to the Maximized Living Bible in which I wrote sluggish minds live in sluggish bodies. In other words, we shouldn't be so spiritual and heavily minded that we abuse or neglect our physical bodies, which comprise the temple of the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians 6:19 and 20. Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do as a leader is get some rest. Jesus often went off by himself to the mountain to rest and pray, Matthew 14:23. And he gave that same advice to his disciples. He said, Come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. Mark 6.31 There are times when you just need to shut things down, turn off your computer, mute your cell phone, get off of social media, eliminate as much noise as possible, and focus again on receiving the Lord's love and hearing His gentle whisper. Many years ago, I learned from my friends Ray Comfort and Winky Prattney The importance of following God's command to take a day off, to get some rest, and making sure I take a Sabbath day every week. If you're a pastor or a business leader, a Christian leader in any capacity, you need to find one day each week to stop working, disengage from any unnecessary activities. This is a vital time not only to get physical rest, but also to renew your spirit, your emotions, your mind, improve your mental health. Rather than being a matter of legalism, the Sabbath principles for our benefit. As Jesus said, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath, Mark 2.27. Remember, you aren't just a spiritual being. The Bible teaches that you are spirit, soul, and body. And He wants all of these components in alignment because you are His holy temple. Let's be those who are true witnesses who rest your lives and save souls. Let's seize the opportunities that God provides for us in a world that seems to be shaking and people are confronted with challenges. And let us remember to confront the status quo and also make sure you take time to get rest and to sit before the Lord, shut it all down because we need to hear the voice of the Lord more than all the noise pollution and the voices of this world. I think to conclude this podcast, it would only be fitting to read a few of the verses of the great hymn by Horatio Spafford. Spafford found an inner peace in Christ that was totally at odds with his outward situation. Look at the awesome words of this beloved hymn When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, It is well, it is well with my soul. It is well with my soul, it is well. It is well with my soul. Though Satan should buffet, though trial should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and has shed His own blood for my soul. It is well with my soul. It is well. It is well with my soul. My sin, oh the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul, it is well with my soul, it is well with my soul. O Lord, haste the day when the faith shall be sight, the clouds be rolled back as a scroll. The trump shall resound and the Lord shall descend, even so, it is well with my soul. We hope you enjoyed this episode of A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends and ask you to prayerfully consider supporting the ministry at somebodycares.org or by texting your donation amount to 805-422-7348. Please join us again for A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends.